0: The Tablet Show, episode 95, with guest Chris Hardy. Recorded live Friday, July 12th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Chris Hardy from Xamarin about his experience building an application for Windows Phone and then migrating it to iPhone and Android. This episode of the Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online
1: at t e l e r i k dot com. And now, here are Carl and Richard thank you very much and welcome back to the tablet show it's carl and richard and uh, we're talking tablets and devices and all that crap the big news of course for us is the nokia lumia 1020 i want i want want i want bad want now all right well i got a couple things for better no framework so let's just roll all right so what do you got first one is a real thing a real thing yeah this is the Uh, Graphics Diagnostics in Visual Studio 12. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash dxgrdiag, I know it's not great, but DirectX Graphics Diagnostics. This um, The tools you can use to diagnose common rendering problems in DirectX Graphics applications. Graphics Diagnostics supports Direct3D 10, Direct3D 10.1, 11, and 11.1, and provides limited support for Direct2D. doesn't support earlier versions of Direct3D, DirectDraw, or other graphics APIs. So what you can do is you can capture rendered frames for later examination. You can browse and select captured frames for in-depth inspection and analysis. You can view Direct3D events that occurred during a frame and their effects on the app. You can view 3D mesh data or render target data after each pipeline stage. You can jump to the source code location of a particular direct 3D event. You can discover which direct 3D events contributed to the color of a specific pixel in each frame. Wow. And you can examine direct 3D objects such as device state, buffers, meshes, and textures. And you know what this sounds like, Richard? What's that? This sounds like uh, the, the debugging tools that come with Visual Studio, you know, for looking at long-running processes and all that kind of stuff, except you can get it for pixels. It's like serious debugging for DirectX, and it just got me thinking, wow, I can't believe that I ever attempted to do any DirectX programming without using this, without turning it on. Well, and, and the big thing, of course, is that
0: that code's running in the GPU as well, so you've got to be able to reach into the GPU and see what's going on.
1: Yeah, just a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, no kidding. Good find, dude. Yeah, you can't really step through it, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well, you can, but you can't step through it in studio, because yeah. it's,
1: it's a different world. Right. So there you go, uh, tinyroll.com slash dxgrdiag. Awesome. And the second thing is a new single by Franklin Brothers. Congratulations, dude. What song? It's called Mike's Backyard. I've heard that song. And uh, it's kind of like Sweet Home Alabama, but different. <laughs> it sounds like a bunch of people Sitting around drinking and singing And clapping and hooting and hollering It's just a party Which is
0: basically what it
1: is Yeah, it's tinyurl.com slash Mike's Backyard A little bit de- a little bit more Skinner-esque For Franklin Brothers But um, it's a fun song And it's perfect for cranking it in, in the summertime Tinyurl.com slash Mike's Backyard There's no punctuation there Nice
0: That's it, man Good ones Who's talking to us? Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 73 in honor of our guest. That's the one where we had Miguel Diacaza on to talk about all the new stuff coming out for Xamarin. Right. Way back when it first came out, which was in February of 2013. And this comment comes from Ben Chester. It's a bit of a whopper, but it's a good one. It's worth the read. Uh, Hi, guys. Another great show. It's great to see the Xamarin tools keep evolving, particularly in this direction, as I've always found mono develop to be its main weakness in an otherwise excellent mono touch development story. And of course, he's referencing the fact that Touch is now working inside of Studio. Yeah. I must admit, I smiled to myself as I listened to Miguel struggling to come up with ways that C Sharp could learn from Objective-C. And I agree with him wholeheartedly that C Sharp and F Sharp are among the best languages that you can develop in today, not to mention XAML, which is a best way of creating rich UI that I've come across. Add disclaimer, I've not developed in every other programming language out there, so I'm not really qualified to make this comment. Uh, I've heard Carl say a few times in a previous show that the Apple development tools have improved significantly in recent times. And, of course, he is correct. But I have to say that every time I hear him mention this, I worry that he's giving them too much credit. I've developed quite a bit in Objective-C and C Sharp over the last few years. And in my experience, the Microsoft developer tools are 10 years ahead of the Apple equivalent. Yeah, This is the case with both languages and the tools themselves. While there's nothing you can do in c that can't be done in Objective-C, there is nothing you can do in Objective-C that can't be done better in c Please don't think I'm trying to criticize Objective-C. c should be the superior language. The creators of c had about 20 years of C, C++ and Objective-C plus a few years of Java to draw on when they were making their new language. If they would not managed to improve on it by then, then they would have been very disappointed. Mm. Most software is pretty good at solving the problem it was designed for, and Objective-C did an incredible job of bringing object orientation to C. The thing is, that was 30 years ago. There are better solutions available now. (laughs) That said, if C Sharp looks as good as Objective-C does when it turns 30, it'd be doing pretty good. Yeah. I think the difference in the development experience comes down to the differing philosophies of the two companies. While Microsoft is primarily a software company that is keen to encourage developers to write great applications for Windows, Apple is primarily a hardware company that focuses on providing great products with a great consumer experience, something they regularly succeed in. Yeah. In fact, I understand that Apple initially resisted making its native APIs available to developers at all, hey, and their whole development suite for that matter. Mm. So it makes sense that they didn't focus on making the development experience as smooth as they could have done. As you both said on the show many times, we.NET developers are spoiled by the amazing tools that Microsoft produces for us. And I find myself fervently hoping that Windows 8 is a big success so that I can go on using them in the future. Regardless of whether that happens, it's great to know that Xamarin are here producing fantastic cross-platform tools for those of us that love C-Sharp. I can't wait to try them. Just one thing I'd like to know, and I guess this will be a question for Chris. There's currently a monotouch binding for Cocos 2D on GitHub. Does Xamarin have any plans to bring this into its offering, or will it remain an optional extra? We can ask him a little later on. Thanks so much for .NET Rocks and the Tablet Show. They're both fantastic podcasts, and I would be a much worse developer without them. Keep up the great work. See, I told you it was a long, but a goodie.
1: Yeah, I just wonder if we're not stirring the pot a little too much. We, we like to be objective and not be inflammatory. Yeah,
0: well, and I don't think we have been really. I mean, oh, we haven't been, no. Uh, and but this is a fair comment, you know. He, he does say, look, hey, Objective C is elderly, and C Sharp has distinct advantages here. True, uh, and, and the differences in the companies. I, I don't disagree with anything you said here, Ben. So clearly, you're intelligent because I agree with you. So with that said, a Tablet Show mug is on its way to you, sir. And if you'd like a Tablet Show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com.
1: And that brings us to our guest, Chris Hardy. You know, ever since MonoTouch was in beta, Chris Hardy has been developing and evangelizing MonoTouch and was one of the first users to get a MonoTouch application onto the App Store. Speaking at conferences around the world on the subject, Chris has been a key part of the community and is extending this by contributing to the MonoTouch book. And uh, now an employee at Xamarin, no?
2: Yeah, I I do contracting work and I I do uh, a bunch of work with Xamarin, so... That's kind of where I am at the moment.
1: Fantastic. Well, welcome welcome to the Tablet Show. You've been on .NET Rocks before, and I believe we met in uh, Norway at the Norwegian Developers Conference three or four years ago, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it's been, a, yeah, I've been at the last four, so four, four years sounds about right.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: we saw him just a month or so ago. Right. I did
1: anyway. Yep, I did too. Yeah. I was talking about when we met.
2: Yeah, I think it was a week ago, or two weeks ago at Build as well. Yeah. Oh, I was at Build. Yeah, Carl was not at Just builder. you, Richard. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was at home building things.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's important, too.
1: You, you were at Build. I was building at home. That's
2: okay. nice. So, what have you been up to, Chris? Uh, so, I mean, recently, uh, you know, I've been at NDC and I've been, been at Build. And um, most of my focus has been on um, talking about my experiences with building an application that runs on Windows Phone iPhone and uh, and Windows 8 and hopefully in the future Android when I get around to that. Um and I thought since it's you know the middle of summer I thought why not talk about the app that I created that's counting the days until Christmas. Um since that's very appropriate for the middle of middle of the year. Um so I've been going to events and and talking about that. So I was in Norway talking about uh, my experience with that. Um, and then I was in Edinburgh just last week uh, again talking on on the same subject. so um, I thought it would be great to to be on the show and and to chat more about my experiences with that
1: well let's what have been your experience? I mean, you were there in the very beginning, and you've seen the the uh, evolution of these
2: products Yeah, I mean um you know the, the first thing that I really wanted to do was was build a windows phone app. Um, I'd already been developing. Um, iOS apps with with Monotouch as it was then and now Xamarin.iOS. to iOS and really Windows Phone. This is kind of back in 2010. I was really interested in kind of what what they uh, what they offered in terms of a, a platform for developers, and I was pretty uh, pretty surprised at how good it was. And I think uh, Ben in the comments earlier, you know, hands down, it's the best development platform um, for developers, and you know, I would, I would agree with that. Um, Xamarin make it much much easier for iOS and Android development, but when you kind of own the devices and you, you own the platform that you can write for, you can uh, really uh, get some great res- uh, res- results out of it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, with the Windows Phone app, um, in days until Christmas was already on iOS and Android app stores, and trying to get noticed on those is is probably impossible. Um, right. Near enough. So I thought, hey, there's there's not really any days until Christmas apps on Windows Phone. Um, I should probably go ahead and and develop a days until Christmas app just for that purpose um, because it's the only one that people can download. If it's uh, not too bad, then hopefully uh, lots of people will like it and and go and download it and and get the market share. Um, I'd already been beaten by the you know the the torch apps, um, basically the flashlight apps. Um, so I couldn't, couldn't do one of those. So the next, next bet was counting down the days until Christmas.
1: What platform did you write your first mobile phone app on?
2: So my first one, uh, was, uh, for the iPhone. Um, that was, and that was actually, well, if we, if we go and go back into history, then technically my first one was for J2ME, um, which was for Samsung Ericsson devices that was using some random, random version so that was my first experience and that was for a a project at uni so i'd always been interested in mobile apps but first one that i actually went on you know to the the app stores as they're known now was uh was one that i did for a previous uh company um and that was actually a a christmas related one i don't know what it is with christmas apps (laughs) but it has some. it has snow falling and and things like that and well it's
1: cute and it has appeal yeah
2: it it does and it's you know it's relevant for at least a couple of months of the year um So this is, this is my first Windows phone app. Um, I actually did create a, a torch app or a, a flashlight app, mm-hmm. uh, for Windows phone because when I was developing Windows phone back in 2010, um, the, the process of you, the app review actually got stuck. So I thought, well, I'm going to submit a kind of a fake app, as it were, um, and see if that goes through and gets processed. And that got processed before the one that I'd done originally. Uh, got processed and that one got completely stuck and I had to actually um, rename the app and upload a different app so it would get past there. So there was definitely some interesting bugs that I hit uh, right from, you know, using the marketplace and trying to upload apps for, for Windows phones. That was an interesting experience. Yeah, that's really strange,
0: uh, you know, that, that it, but you're not the only one I've heard this from too, that those early days of, of Winphone, uh they really struggled to get apps up. Yeah, I there was a reason there was a bottleneck.
2: Yeah, and I mean, and and you know, with um, you know, even even a year later, I I wanted to do an update to my app. So, um, one of the key features that my app had was uh live tiles. You know, that's a very Windows Phone feature, right? Um, and so I, they, uh, they made some improvements with the live tiles API, so you could get them locally rather than having to go on the internet to download a a, a live tile. So I wanted to update the description on my app a year after I'd originally submitted it and say, um, I'm you know, I'm updating the app. I know there's some issues. Um, a new update will be there soon. Um, but what happened in, when you used to submit a description, I believe they've changed this now, but when when you uh, change the description, it would go through the whole um, review lifecycle of the app again. So I was stuck for about a week and a half waiting for the description to go through so I could actually put up the real version of my app that i I wanted to to get up in the store, so mm. that was quite painful
0: yeah, and it seems totally unnecessary too. You think they do a delta just to see nothing has changed on this previously approved app, except this description
2: yes, which i th- I believe they they allow you to now to up upload different um text and things like that where it's not actually changing the app package at all right. so they have they have changed that um for for the future, but again, it was something that I did and, and learned from the, from my mistake not to do again. And this was at the beginning of WinFone 7. So this is like right at the, the early days. This was 2011 when I made that mistake. So I had released the app, um, in November 2010, um, got about 5,000 downloads for the, for the first year, which wasn't too bad since I didn't even have a website. I literally put it on the store and that was it. You know, mm. told a few friends. Um, so really, I guess because it was coming up near Christmas, people were finally getting, uh, and downloading it. So I was pretty impressed with 5,000 downloads. Sure. Um, and then 2011, because of those updates that Microsoft had made to Windows Phone development, I, I thought, you know, it's time to actually improve the app for the next year. Um, work on some of the reviews that came back that say it wasn't so good because there was bugs and things like that. So. Uh, getting those fixed. And that was again in around November, I kind of left it too late. I think it ended up getting approved in December. Um, so I got another uh, another 5,000 downloads from the end of 2010 up until the start of the Christmas period in 2011. Um, so again, not too bad numbers. I mean, 10,000 um, apps or so uh, downloaded. It wasn't too bad at all. Um, and then in 2011, I had About 27,000 downloads over the Christmas period, um, which is pretty crazy, um, since I didn't do anything. And, you know, one of the main reasons was that it got, um, showcased on the marketplace. Um, Right. Uh. You know, I'd be, you know, raking in the money if I actually sold the app or put ads in it, but it's completely free app. Um, and so I was pretty impressed with that many downloads on, on a phone that, you know, many people, kind of knew people who had Windows phones, but no one actually did, it seemed, at that time. So I was pretty impressed with those numbers to get 27,000 downloads. So I was more annoyed when I really wanted to get this fixed out to people, and I couldn't because I updated the description. So that was kind of annoying.
1: So, Chris, you have done development in Visual Studio and Objective-C. Also, um, you said you had done some Java, so I imagine you've used Eclipse and built uh, Android apps too as well, right?
2: So, all, the, all my development stuff has generally been, apart from a bit of Objective C that I'd done before and J two M E back in the day, and I think I used NetBeans for that. Um All my work has generally been with Xamarin um and using C sharp um, to to develop for these different platforms. Okay, um, and you know, with the Windows Phone stuff, obviously that's just Microsoft tools, Visual Studio, and and things like that. And so, you are working primarily
0: mono develop or in Studio, because the Studio thing's brand new,
2: right? Uh this was this was um so for the Windows Phone stuff it was all Visual Studio. Um and then I and then in two thousand and I think it was twelve I think. Um two thousand twelve the iPad Mini came out. Um and that was when I thought, I really wanna develop an app for for the iPad. And before then I hadn't developed a uh, an iPad app because really the screen size kind of scared me away and iPad mini kind of made me felt like, oh, it's only a kind of a bigger iPhone. Um, so I used, I used MonoDevelop, uh, back then, 2012, um, and Xamarin to not really port the app. Well, I mean, it's kind of a port, um, but using the same language. Normally when you port stuff, it's porting from language to language. So, um, a lot of my kind of business logic to count down the days until Christmas, um, and kind of the logic on, which music you choose and you know which one's the default and things like that that was all shared across the different platforms using mm. using the Xamarin tools. Right. But were you building for phone 8 or phone 7 at this point? Uh, this was phone 7. I still haven't developed for Windows phone 8. Okay. So I I I know that it works on Windows phone 8 and that was enough. Um yeah. there wasn't there's not a whole bunch of new features that kind of intrigue me to go to Windows phone 8 um, at the moment. But I do have a dev kit, so I'm planning on um, improving a few things, especially the tile sizes and things like that, to to improve that. But it already works on like kids' corner and things like that. A lot of people have left reviews saying, "Hey, you know, my kids love it in in their kids' corner, so it's great to have." So nice. That's nice to see.
0: Yeah, of course, kids would love would love that. I mean, it's such a simple app, but it, it's it's interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the big question here is so you started with the phone with Windows phone as the base app. Yeah, that's correct. Working in studio and now you're going to use Xamarin tools to move it to iPhone.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot more work than it, than it sounds like it should be. Um, I mean, the, the real benefit of, of using Xamarin here is, is purely from the fact that the business logic is shared. Um, all the UI parts, I'd wanted to keep the same sort of look and feel. So on Windows Phone 7, I had the pivot control for showing the days, hours, minutes, and seconds, and then the actual data for that, um, on the phone as you kind of, you know, you scroll across and, you know, it was, it was the pivot control. Um, and that was really nice and easy to, to create on Windows Phone. So when I was trying to do the iOS app, I had to kind of think of different ways of, of doing this. And there's the, um, Xbox Live Smart Glass app for iOS. Um, I think it was called something else in the past, but that's what it's called now. Right. And they, and they do the pivot control in a very similar way to Windows Phone. Obviously, it's not a pivot control because you don't have that within, within iOS. Um, so what I did to kind of make it the same, but also work well on iOS devices is I replaced them with, uh, these things called UI scroll views. Um, and that's basically a big content area which you can scroll data through um, and so I used two of these one for the the key and one for the actual data values and then when you swiped one of them it would update the other one so it matched at all times and so I kind of re-implemented the pivot control behavior on iOS um, and even though it's not it's not probably what a user is normally used to. I think it's a pretty normal paradigm for swiping content um, on different devices. So um, there was no share code there. Um, normally when I go and talk about this app, I, I say it's it's the anti-pattern in a way because I copy and pasted all, all the code over basically that I could use. Hmm. But really it's about the the ideas of kind of breaking down the app into the bits that you know you need so... Instead of having text views, I had UI labels um, on iOS. Um, the snow falling was actually really easy to do on iOS compared to Windows Phone, um purely for the fact that you can use a, a particle emitter layer on iOS. So the snow in iOS is actually particles falling down from a bar at the top of the screen. Wow. Whereas on Windows Phone, I think I have a, a view that then moves based on some random math, so it looks like it's falling. Um, so that's a lot more work than it should have been on Windows Phone, um, whereas the pivot control was pretty straightforward on Windows Phone. And then on iOS, the snow was easier, but then the pivot control was more difficult. Um, so it was kind of a weird w- weird mix between the two.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've always heard that, you know, it was just going to be the UI pieces, but I guess it's more work than you think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the good thing is that I could spend a lot of my time thinking how, um, how to do these properly on, on these platforms. So even though I have buttons that look like Windows Phone buttons, when you click on it, it either does, it does the native thing on the device rather than does the same thing that I've done on Windows Phone, which I think is like rotate a page into view. Um, so instead it will pop up uh, a view controller which is definitely more of a an, an iOS thing than a than a Windows Phone thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've been trying to develop the Android um, version of this uh, application. And it's, again, the, the platform that Android provides is much more difficult to do something that's like a pivot control than Windows Phone or iOS. So I've been struggling because of the platform and the way that the UI works. It's not a paradigm that works very nicely on Android. Um, so I might have to rethink the ways that I'm, I'm doing that and, and modify that accordingly. Um, which is not, not ideal, but, um, I mean, they don't have, uh, an easy way of doing snow falling either. So I have to kind of go back to the way that windows phone does it, which is kind of, actually, I think I've, I've done it really simply. It's basically, here's a view at zero, zero, make it end somewhere on the bottom And it basically does a straight line down, but they're all random straight lines, so it looks like it's falling. But really, it's just a big hack over the the top of it.
1: This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free, not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash freestuff now and take full advantage of the available free-of-charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting The Tablet Show. Chris, if you had to pick one thing about... Uh about the 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 iOS platform mm-hmm. that a C sharp developer using Xamarin tools has to grok, get their head around. What what would it be?
2: It's it's definitely uh, UI Kit. Um, UI Kit is basically all the UI controls that are on the platform. Um, and Apple have a really great document called the Human Interface Guidelines, and that tells you how to use the UI Kit um, controls. Um, Best on the iOS devices. Um, and if you do do that, then when Apple make big UI changes, um, a lot of your, um, a lot of your UI that you're using is just going to follow suit. Um, so there's the whole iOS 7 stuff, which is coming. Um, so because I've used UI view controllers and kind of native controls, um, those are going to change for the most part automatically when I kind of rebuild the app for iOS 7. Um, so, there's less work to, if you try and make it look like the platform, then it's going to be a lot of work to then make it look like the platform in right. all cases. But if you kind of grok how kit works and really just understand that people expect the kind of, the normal way of doing things on the iPhone, and if your app then generally sticks to that, then you're not going to have too many problems in terms of um, when things do get updated, your app's going to stay in line with that rather than kind of go the opposite direction.
1: Well, that's a good argument for sticking with the u i paradigm of the platform. We've been doing a lot of talking about you know branding your own look and feel, which yeah. uh, a lot of companies are opting to do number one because it's less work you know to try to conform to the to the yep. platform and uh, and also it uh identifies them in their brand uh more
2: closely with their company so I mean, there's definitely ways that you can continue doing that. Um, and I know a bunch of enterprise line of business apps, you know, they want it looking the same across all platforms. Um, which I think is fine. It's, it, I feel like it's more like a game. So if you have a game, you want it to look exactly the same on all platforms, but then where it needs to, it can touch the bits that are different on the different platforms. So games such as Xbox games or PS3 games, you have the same game, but then when you load up your, achievements or your friends it then goes to the the native interface and i think line of business apps are generally getting to kind of the same same kind of point of we want it to be the same and we don't care about the native ui because we have our own and it's more important and more um more important for our users do you use mvvm cross i do not no um it was one of those things that first of all it wasn't around back in 2010 and 2011 and the amount of code that i would use and share it probably wouldn't be useful enough mm-hmm. um i've tried to get stuart lodge to um to take the app i actually open source the ios version of the app um on my github page at github.com slash chris ntr um and i'm going to open source the rest of the apps um because i keep getting people um Asking, say, especially in Scandinavia, I have a bunch of people who say, "Technically, we celebrate Christmas on on the twenty fourth, and so your app is one day out of date. Um, so you just need to add in a switch, or you need to add in this little thing that makes it different." So, um, I thought I've spent enough time trying to create days until Christmas apps. I'm going to open it up so uh, people can kind of find out how how they can how can they can do this themselves. It's and
1: gonna, it's a franchise. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a franchise that I want no business in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm done with it. But, um, kind of going back to what you're saying about kind of the, the paradigms of the platforms that users expect. Um, I, I did pull the, so in 2012, after doing the iOS version, I was like, you know, what's left? Um, then I thought, hey, well, there's Windows eight, you know, there's, I've already done the Windows phone version. Windows eight is going to be really easy to do. Um, unfortunately, I found it a lot more difficult than it should have been. Um, again, you don't have the pivot control on Windows 8. So I had to use two scroll views and then hack the way that they interact with each other. Um, and still the behavior is a bit odd with, with that stuff. Um, but to try and keep it in keeping with the way that Windows 8 works is, um, I use the app bar, um, paradigm of when you, uh, I think you move your finger up from the bottom of the screen, it will show you the, it will show you the music on the Windows 8 version. Um, and so you can mute it directly from there. And then if you swipe from the right and then go to settings, um, you can uh, see the about section and you can share how many days or hours or minutes or seconds there are until Christmas to your friends. Um, hmm. But I found from people using the app on Windows 8, they didn't know that you could do that. Um, so I don't know if that's something that Windows 8 is struggling with, with people finding the hidden extras within apps Um, and I kind of found that with with search and things like that I was like, oh I didn't know you could search through the app in the search thing on the on the right I thought that was just for for windows so
1: yeah Um, that's a multi-use search I if I find the topic of discoverability fascinating Uh, in every once in a while I run across well not every once in a while a lot I've been running across apps that just don't get it. So here's a story mm-hmm. from, uh, we were in uh, Frankfurt Airport and laid over for about six hours on the way back from Norway. And there's a T-Mobile kiosk. And, and, and the idea is that you can charge your phone, mm-hmm. you know, for, for free. However, you have to select your device so they know what, you know, adapter to use.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then once you've selected your device from the screen, then a drawer pops open Oh, you put in a password that you can use to retrieve your phone. The drawer pops open, an empty drawer, yep. and uh, then you charge it up and you come back in half an hour, or an hour, whatever, and put in your password and the drawer pops open. You get your phone back, right? Yeah, Seems harmless enough and it's free from T-Mobile. So, uh, we tried it. So, we're standing and looking at it. I say we, my wife and I. And this, you know, I pick Nokia for my phone and there's you know, hundreds of phones by Nokia, literally. I mean, there's maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred. So, but there's only six or eight on the screen and it's just a grid and it completely fills the screen. And I'm talking, there's nothing, uh, there's no next button. There's no, you know, see more. There are just eight phones that aren't my phone in, in a grid. And I stood there for the long, there's a back button And then there's a home button or a cancel button or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's it. And only, it wasn't until I touched the screen and um, figured out that it was uh, responding to my finger that I could scroll up. And Uh. and there was not even a scroll bar. Uh, Actually, there was a scroll bar that only showed up once you started scrolling.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you knew where you were, but you didn't know you could do it.
1: Yeah. So the yeah. scroll bar disappears when you're not scrolling. And I just thought this is the dumbest user interface. So then I we just sat back and watched people come <laughs> up and the the just the confused look and they go back and they walk away. And I was like, Hey, go like this. You know, make the motion. And he's like, Oh, thank you. But it's literally yeah. standing there for minutes trying to figure this thing out. But yeah, yeah discoverability have- is a huge, huge problem if if you don't have it.
2: Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the Windows 8 version of my app now and I'm thinking, um, I think I just load the, the days, hours, minutes and seconds on, on the screen. And while, you know, you can press on the minutes kind of button and it will go to the minutes. I think what would be better in terms of discoverability would be to have like a, the, the numbers scroll in. So you know, they're there and you saw them. They're there. So maybe you need to scroll to. Kind of show them or have like a, a number kind of peeking out. So, oh, okay, I know there's more, more data in there to, to get to. Um, yeah. And I think on that screen, if you had another row of devices kind of just peeping out from the bottom, you go, oh, maybe, maybe they're there.
1: Well, and that sh- shows you sort of the brilliance of that metro language is that, yeah, just a little bit popping out is a visual cue that there's more. There's more yeah. over there. Just go get it.
2: But I mean, you don't have that with, the app bar and, and the settings as well. It's, yeah. they're completely hidden away. And, and maybe, maybe as a developer, I need to do something to, to improve the discoverability there of, of those settings or maybe have a, a music button, which then would then bring up the app bar for, for the users. And I'm, I'm sure a few yeah. apps will do that already.
1: So Chris, you're obviously a Xamarin guy. What is, what do you like the best about? you know, building with the Xamarin tools? Is there something that when you used it the first time was like, okay, this is the killer. This is the killer thing.
2: I d- well, I, th- I think the killer thing for me, I mean, I had already built the the iOS app for um, for the iPad and, and iPhone. And we were we were still kind of running up until we were, were about to release the Visual Studio um, information. And then um, basically I got kind of an early version of it. I was running on Visual Studio on Windows. I loaded up my um, Xamarin project. It was my iOS one and just hit run and then plugged in my device into my machine. And I was using a Mac and I was having a VM with Visual Studio in it. Mm. And from Visual Studio hit and run, it would know, load onto the device and it was running the app. And you know, you could set breakpoints and everything. That was kind of killer for me. It was, it was like, wow, I can, you know, I, I, I have my Mac there, but. You know, I can really just stay within Visual Studio, Mm. um, and, and do my, my iOS development, my Android development, my Windows phone and Windows 8 development all in one kind of familiar, um, IDE, um, which was just kind of, it kind of blew me away the first time I saw it. Like, wow, this is, this is, this is a game changer.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, Richard and I were both taken aback when we heard that news.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, because, I mean, a lot of people are still kind of, you know, do you really need a Mac? It's like, yes, you really do need a Mac. Yeah. Um, and we see, we see a lot of people using, um, buying Mac minis. Um, and, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to have dual screens as well, then you can have a, a Mac mini set up on one screen and you have your Visual Studio and your, your Windows set up on another. And, you know, it's the perfect environment to kind of, you can you can stay on Windows as much as you're familiar with. And then when you need to go on the Mac, you have it there available to you as well. Well, and how much time do you need to spend on the Mac? Um, not much. I mean, it, it, there's the whole thing on, um, designing user interfaces. Um, and for my application, I did actually use, um, interface builder, um, that was built, built in, um, to Xamarin. For, it, it's, it's, it's part of Xcode. So you kind of use it within Xcode.
1: Oh, it, Xcode's version. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we, we, um, we now have a uh, iOS designer. So, if I had built this with a storyboard, I could open this up and I could do all my designery work within Xamarin Studio um, on, on a Mac. Um, so that's really kind of where you want to start going between between the two. It'd be nice if you get the designer directly in Visual Studio. I'm really hoping that the, the, the Xamarin team are working on that, because that would be, again, killer. Um, and that's really the only time that you would then need to spend time on, on a Mac um, is doing your user interface. Um but we also see a lot of people who are uh designing their, their user interfaces in code. Um and what this allows you to do is it allows you to work on work on code with other people that's doing UI stuff um without having a big merge mess um when you use uh the, these zip files or nib files. So basically like unreadable XAML is probably the best way of putting them. <laughs> um, so when you when you've got it open in in um, you know the designer, then it makes sense. But if you actually try and merge anything and um, try and try and use version control on it, it's a it's a complete mess. Um, but with you know if you do everything in code, then that'll work really nicely, um, and you can work much easier with other people designing UIs but doing that all from code. I seem to recall them saying that there was
1: UI designing in. At least maybe in mono develop. Wasn't there, Richard, what was the story that we got? Do you remember?
0: Well that they added a new designer, yeah. But I thought that was part of studi- inside of studio, not inside of mono develop. I presume it would be in both. But actually. I thought
1: it was for, for UI. For Android, we um, Oh for we, Android, that's yeah. what it was.
2: Yeah. So you can use uh Xamarin Studio Visual Studio and you have the Android designer in there.
1: Alright, so the idea is that you don't need to use Eclipse at all.
2: That's correct. Yeah. All right. Before, before we were only, we didn't, you didn't use Eclipse in the past. You just didn't have a designer. Mm. Um, the, the Eclipse designer may have improved. I haven't looked at it for a while, but it wasn't, it wasn't kind of a killer product. It wasn't like, wow. Wish. You weren't
0: going to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: No, exactly. So <laughs> a lot of people just use, you know, edit the source because the, the, the code that you do for Android and designing UIs through their, um, XML files, they're actually very similar to XAML and there are you know they're easier to kind of actually code against or write against compared to what you have with with iOS development. Right. Um so at the moment the iOS designer is is just for uh people using uh Macs and Xamarin Studio. But it would be nice if that was part of Visual Studio as well.
1: Yeah, it would be. <laughs> then then there would be no excuses.
2: Yes, yeah. Apart from, you still need to have a Mac, but you don't have to use a Mac. But um, that's that's normally. I mean, you have two problems: you either have to have a Mac or you don't have a Mac. Uh, but if you do want to do iOS development, you also have the people who are coming over from. They're really familiar with Visual Studio and their keyboard layout. Yeah. Um, so as soon as you take them away from that, it makes it twice as hard to kind of understand. So um, if you can at least get be familiar with Visual Studio with your normal keyboard layout and your own Windows. Then you kind of done half the battle. And then the other half of the battle is, as I kind of mentioned before, um, really understand the paradigms of the platform. So UI kit right. for, uh, for iOS or Android again, the way their their controls works and they have fragments and views. Um, that's to kind of spend more time doing that rather than trying to learn, learn the platform that you want to develop on. Right. It's
1: all very exciting, Chris.
2: Yeah, it's great. So what's next for you? Um, so. As I mentioned before, this uh, the iOS version is uh, open source. Um, so you can actually download all the code for the iOS version. It will run on the Xamarin Starter Edition. So you don't even have to pay Xamarin any money. Um, you can basically get it to run um, on on your Mac or get it to run in Visual Studio. Um, so that's pretty nice. I'm going to open source the Windows Phone and the Windows 8 version. I will probably get around to doing an Android version. As, as much as that pains me, um, I'm kind of <laughs> halfway there, um, but I'm not fully there. So maybe by Christmas 2013, I will have that version out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I don't have a countdown timer to find out when that'll be. Uh-huh. No,
2: exactly. Well, this is why I wanted to open source it. So you can take the app and you, know, you can replace the snow with whatever thing you want falling from the sky and change days until Christmas, until days until Richard and Carl's, uh, next road a, trip you know, <laughs> yeah next road trip whatever you want so nice uh, that's why I, That's but why. That I'm gonna snow won't
0: some. be snow it'll be the tears of our wives that's right <laughs> hey I wanted to ask you you know what do you say 27,000 downloads of the app on the Phone side what about the iOS side
2: yeah so I mean it was 27,000 up until 2011 um, and now you know to the current day um, or end of end of 2013 or End of two thousand and twelve. Sorry, uh, it had eighty thousand downloads. So eighty thousand wow. downloads in total for Windows Phone, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, for the week, uh, for the about the month or two that it was on iOS, I actually got featured in the new and noteworthy for entertainment wow. because I built a universal app, so it was on iPad and uh, iPhone. So they right. generally like to see apps that do that. I think there's only two or three other Christmas apps for both both platforms. So they featured that, which was nice. And I got about 5,000 downloads on iOS. That's all? That's all, yeah. For a crowded market. I mean, you would have thought it was millions. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think you have to be very careful with your market. Um, and if if it's a crowded market and you have a well-known brand, you should be okay. Otherwise, if you're an indie developer like myself, um, I think it's it's definitely much harder. I was I was I, I was pretty impressed with about five thousand downloads. Um, you didn't seem as interested as as uh, excited as I was there. Well, I am just thinking like what's
0: amazing about the eighty thousand number, it, which is not a trivial number, is it just supposedly not that many wind phones. Yeah, right? yeah, but here you've got tens of millions of iPads and iPhones. You get featured by Apple. I thought you would have been
2: clobbered in in a in a subcategory in the newer right. noteworthy. So it wasn't the main page. I'm sure uh, you know apps there will probably get thousands, hundreds of thousands. Um, but I mean, I, I generally get a couple of thousand when I'm featured on the homepage on Windows Phone. Um, so a couple of thousand a day when that happens is not too bad um and it's kind of relevant because it's days until christmas my windows 8 version um i had about 400 downloads in total
0: awesome ah very cool
2: yeah not not impressive numbers for windows phone uh windows 8 sorry um which is a shame um though they do give you the app downloads for your category um the top five average and from from this graph back in december it looks like on average, there's about 10,000 downloads um, per per app, I guess, for the top five apps. So, not even hitting 500 downloads in about half a year is is very strange. But you do hear that these days, if you just put an app into the, uh,
0: the Apple App Store, you should expect no downloads at all. Yeah, it's true. Because you're one of a million apps. Like, you're just not going to be found.
1: It's just like having a site on the web.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not necessarily going to bring people to it.
2: No, and and I think the the key the key is to make your app um be be as good as it can be. Um, especially if it's one where everyone's competing for the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of apps that do, you know, days until Christmas, but they do all sorts of things, you know, you can you can play, learn to play Christmas carols and you can add your Christmas lists, and, you know, there's apps that do everything. But sometimes you've got to kind of focus on doing, doing something well and not trying to do everything at the same time. So uh, there's also that.
1: So if we go to the, the app store
2: on the iPhone and type in days until Christmas, we'll get your app. Sort of. Yeah. It's probably difficult to try and find it though. Um, I mean, one of, one of the nice things that you can do with, um, with iOS and on Windows 8 is that you can actually add in metadata to your, to your website. So if you go to days until Xmas, so, uh, com, um, and if you view the source, you'll see at the top there's actually meta data and it's like meta name, Apple iTunes app or meta name MS application ID. And if you add in that information, when you go to the website on your phone or if you're in IE, uh, the full screen IE version and there's a little kind of spanner with a plus on it, if you click on there, it says get app for this site so there's ways that when people go on your website you can tell them hey there's a there's an app available Mm. um and this doesn't do it in the way where it's you're on the website you want to find some information and suddenly it's like hey we have an app you must download the app it's it's a little bit more subtle than that um so it doesn't annoy users hopefully um so that's probably the easiest way to to be be found if you have a website that you have an app that you want to go with the website um Otherwise, yeah, you can search for days until Xmas, I think it is. But if you type mm-hmm. in days until Christmas, you won't find my app at all um, because there's just so many apps that try and target days until Christmas. Um, okay. So it is it is there. If you search for Chris NTR, it'll show up straight away. But if you search okay. for the actual name of the app, it it definitely makes it more difficult on, on uh, iOS.
1: Well, Chris, I think uh, I think that's a show.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's good
1: great. stuff. We're always interested in talking to people who are doing it all. It sounds like you are.
0: And thanks for putting your code out there so we can actually take a look at it and make fun of you. Yeah,
2: that's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's horrible code, so I completely agree with that. But again, the code is open source, so if you want to refactor it, be my guest. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Chris. No problem. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show.